0: Business 1440, KYCR Golden Valley, a service of Salem Media Group. Stream on the go with the free Business 1440
2: app. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. President Trump issuing his first veto yesterday, overruling
3: Congress to protect his emergency for border wall funding.
4: Today I am vetoing this resolution.
0: President Trump was joined in the Oval Office by members of his cabinet and law enforcement officials where he argued that the situation at the southern border is a crisis.
4: It is definitely
0: a national emergency. He described the congressional resolution to block his declaration as reckless and thanked the courageous Republicans who supported him. Even though Congress passed the resolution, it does not have enough votes to override the presidential veto. Greg Clugston, the White House.
3: New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has earned a double-edged national reputation. The Gallup poll has recorded strongly divergent responses from its survey sample of nearly 2,000 people asking about the uh, freshman representative from New York.
0: This is... I'm a trained lawyer. I went to law school, and I have found that has actually been a disadvantage. My name is Alan. I am a current student at the OTA office in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, I'm a retired district court judge, and when I decided to retire, I'd always had an interest in financial markets. I had done quite a bit of research, read up on OTA a lot. I think I had a pretty good idea of what to expect. The actual class itself was more impressive than I even anticipated. I mean, after I attended that half bar class, I was absolutely 100% sold. It's almost like a light bulb goes off. You start following your rules. You recognize the mistakes you shouldn't uh, make and you stop making them. I feel like I've actually turned a corner. I'm actually on a great path. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to do this. And I think a lot of people get scared away from the financial markets because they don't think they're smart enough and nothing could be further from the truth.
5: Call OTA at pound 250 on your cell phone for a free investing workshop or register at learnwithota.com.
4: where your meeting is our business. Please contact us at wnav-video.com
2: Welcome back to the show. This is 1440. This is a story that um, goes a little bit away from from uh what I've been talking about just in the last half hour talking about brexit um, but actually I think it might be closer than than we might initially realize um, insofar as uh, best laid plans uh, of government from 20 years ago come up a cropper it seems to happen time and time again um, almost now a regular guest um, should be a regular guest Phil Kirpin from American commitment uh, with us this morning on the King Banyan show. Um, and enjoying of course uh, spring training for his team as I enjoy spring training for mine uh, uh, because baseball season's almost upon us and that's the best season of the year is it not Phil Kirpin? Oh,
3: it certainly is for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> same here. Same here Phil. This is an interesting story that you sent out here. Uh and and we'll tweet it to our we'll tw- tw- tweet it to our, cust- our our listeners here as uh, as we v- talk about this uh, but this is a story about bandwidth, and w- what I so. I'm not sure if you're listening during the last hour, Phil, but I was. I had a group of students uh, touring the UK and Ireland to talk about Brexit and to study it up close and personal. Uh, and the number one complaint that they had in the entire trip was the lack of of uh, Wi-Fi and of uh, wireless services as they went around. I mean, they could get them, but they were very expensive. Your article kind of touches on this very point. The demand for for bandwidth just seems to be going through the roof.
3: Yeah, it's um you know we, we sort of take for granted that almost anywhere we go we're gonna have internet these days. And uh, you know part of that's the, the wireless networks, the four G networks are pretty good coverage, but a lot of it is Wi Fi. You know, a lot of times you're not even on and you're not even on a cell network. You're able to switch to a Wi Fi network and those connections tend to be pretty robust and, and pretty reliable and there are a bunch of providers. Your cable company might have Wi Fi hotspots all over the place or you know, you you go into uh, coffee shops or McDonald's, there's Wi Fi kinda everywhere now. All and right. uh, that actually goes hand in hand with the cell networks because the more sort of data can be shifted to Wi Fi, the more capacity there is for the cell networks office. But so they're complementary in many respects. Um but we're starting to get congestion uh, and capacity constraints. Uh, and in a lot of places, you know, there are 10, 15 wireless networks. None of them are working particularly well. Uh, other times you got too many users on there, and uh, it's just really hitting the constraints of how much capacity there is. And uh, we've got this situation where, the best possible spectrum, uh, the best possible radio wave frequencies for enhancing Wi-Fi, speeding it up, having more capacity and so forth um, is the 5.9 gigahertz band, which is adjacent to where Wi-Fi is right now in, in 5.8 and there's also some Wi-Fi uh, in lower bands uh, as well, mm-hmm. the 2.6 yeah. area but, but uh, m- mostly it's up in the 5 uh, gigahertz is where a lot of the Wi-Fi is and so we've got this big Block of spectrum that is, you know, sort of its physical properties make it uniquely well suited uh, for enhancing and expanding Wi Fi. Um, but we haven't been able to open it for Wi Fi because it's not currently uh, designated by the FCC for general unlicensed use, which would allow uh, Wi Fi to operate there. Because in 1999, 20 years ago, it was set aside for exclusive automotive use using a uh, radio technology called DSRC that was supposed to allow cars to talk to each other, to enhance safety, uh, and the, that was 20 years ago. I think there are about 270 million vehicles in the United States, and about 18,000 of them have this technology, so it's pretty close to zero. It's basically a total failure. Um, the Obama administration wanted to mandate it in every vehicle manufactured in the United States, despite the fact that technology doesn't really work, which would have had, added 300 bucks to the price of every car in the country for a technology that didn't work. So the Trump administration got rid of that mandate. That was a positive. Uh, But the Department of Transportation still wants to hold on to the spectrum. They don't want the FCC to open it for Wi-Fi use uh, and other general unlicensed use because it's sort of a turf war. They think, hey, you know, maybe at some point we'll want this for automotive use, so let's hold on to it. And they've agreed to this uh, three Phase testing process to see whether maybe it could be shared with other non-automotive uses, and they're only a phase one of that. And so, we're in sort of this bureaucratic, never-ending uh, testing, uh, even under sort of a, a uh, you know a, a less uh, regulatorily inclined administration, you might say. And so, it's still. Has not uh, been opened for Wi-Fi use, although I think some of the FCC commissioners are starting to get a little bit impatient with this process and they want to open at least a significant portion of it uh, w- which would be a positive
2: so so we're talking with Phil Kirpin from American commitment at american commitment uh, dot org uh, and and what one of the things phil about uh, th- about this i want to I want to go back to the fact that government actually created something that, back in 1999, that we're still feeling the effects of, even though it turned out the plan was never really put into effect because it turned out the technology that they had designated this piece of bandwidth for doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work.
3: Uh, that's right. And, you know, the interesting thing is, um, you know, automotive safety technology has dramatically improved over this time period i mean if you if you go new car shopping today uh, the driver assist and safety features are like you know it, it, they're yeah you know, if you haven't been in a few years they're totally futuristic they're incredible I mean you, you get they keep you in your lane they beep 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 when a car is near you they don't let you back up into another bumper when you're parking they'll actually you know they've got just all kinds of incredible stuff right. uh, in terms of safety technology and safety features uh, that are built into the new vehicles now. And none of them use the government's preferred technology. <laughs> In fact, uh, they use all kinds of other things instead. They use LiDAR, they use radar, they use cameras and sensors. Uh, some of them do use radio technology, but they don't use the technology that the government thought would be the one. They use a different radio technology called cellular X. Um, they mostly use the cellular networks, uh, although there there is some vehicle to vehicle component of that, and so there might be uh, there might be some role for prioritizing automotive uses within a a subset of the five point nine gigahertz band, but the idea that you know government was going to pick one technology and that was going to be the technology um, you know not only is it laughable on its face that they could get it right, but in this case. Uh, they didn't even pick one of the technologies that that have emerged in the market. They picked something that didn't work at all, uh, and meanwhile, the market's gone in a sort of in all these other many different directions. Uh, but but none of them were the technology that government expected.
2: So has there been any estimate, Phil? I mean, we now we now see government trying to find all kinds of ways to pay for things that it wants to provide that it didn't before. Is the and they're tremendously expensive, and and dis- it's discouraging to see, to see this this advance reach. Even uh, with with the Trump administration, they they tend to spend more money than than I think I'm comfortable with. Uh, maybe you as well. But um, but uh, to what extent do these spectrum auctions generate any revenue that that actually could be used to reduce the debt of this country?
3: Well, licensed spectrum, licensed spectrum when yeah. it's, uh, made it available to, to one particular company for their exclusive use, uh, raises a lot and uh, you know billions of dollars. And of course, uh, we've had some some major sales of licensed spectrum. Uh, we we repack the broadcaster so that could be made available to the wireless carriers, and uh, that's very important, especially as we move from four G to five G. Uh, there's going to be a need for more licensed spectrum, but at the same time, and this is you know this is a difficult question and you know the FCC's got uh, a lot of technical people as well as a lot of economists who work on this you you also need to have unlicensed spectrum that's available for, for general use, because if you license all of the spectrum, then you don't have technologies like Wi-Fi and you know, uh, other you know, wireless microphones and other sort of locally used uh, technologies that need to be able to just use unlicensed spectrum without interfering with each other. And uh, you know, the, the model in the licensed spectrum is one operator leases it, they pay billions of dollars, and then they control it and use it for what they want. The model in the unlicensed spectrum is any user can use it, and they need to sort of, uh, you know, they, they need to not interfere with each other. They need to follow protocols that allow them to share that unlicensed spectrum. And if we didn't have unlicensed spectrum, Wi-Fi wouldn't exist. Uh, you know, And so uh, you need to, uh, okay. this is one of the things that the FCC needs to do is they need to, you know, you want to have, plenty of license spectrum available for the, for the so the wireless carriers can build out national networks and that kind of thing, uh, and right. consumers can have multiple choices there, and that's from a taxpayer standpoint. That does also raise a lot of revenue, um, but you also need to have unlicensed spectrum because there are a lot of uh, beneficial unlicensed uses as well, and so they've got to sort of look at the different physical properties of the different uh, spectrum bands and see where it makes sense to have licensed versus unlicensed and kind of weigh that all out. It's a very complex uh, question uh... from an economic standpoint but they generally have done a fairly good job of it with, with some exceptions and i think this huge amount that was set aside for an automotive use that just never happened is is probably the the most egregious example of, of uh... you know wasteful spectrum allocation outside of you know the department of defense which has vast amounts uh, much of which are not used and they won't even tell us what they use and of course that gets into you know other other questions of unrelated national security and foreign policy issues
2: Sure. So, so I want to I, I want to press on this a little bit because I, I, it wasn't clear to me reading your article that the, the difference between the licensed and the unlicensed pieces pieces of this, and I think it's a very important point. So, my th- thinking back again about my students who couldn't use their phones and couldn't use their phones in London. With, well, they could, but they would have had to pay somebody a huge amount of uh, a huge amount of money to to get onto a to say Vodafone or O2 or one of their one of their cellular networks uh which is what I did by the way but um but it wasn't huge in my mind it was 25 bucks for a week it was like yeah of course I'll pay you, I'll give you 25 bucks for that but if you're a student 25 bucks is a, a lot of money so so but to go back to this phil uh we are yeah, the, the network that sits in my house right that that operates the 6 to 8 different pieces of my home that's unlicensed. That's an unlicensed bit of the spectrum, right? So that's not that's not sitting under contra- uh, under license to any of the major carriers. It's just something that I can use as long as the manufacturers follow some protocol. Do I understand that right?
3: Yeah, that's exactly
2: right. Okay, so 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 we do want there to be a fair amount of this this. Particularly as we think about the Internet of Things, the Internet of Things is going to require us to have more of this unlicensed spectrum, and actually increases the demand for for uh, this bandwidth that would include this five point nine uh, uh, gigahertz uh, band that uh, you're talking about. Is that is that fair to say as well?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think that as we move forward uh, with Internet of Things and with with five uh, G on the licensed side uh we're definitely going to need a lot more unlicensed also because we're going to have so many different devices at the endpoints uh that are going to need to connect to to access points and you know if you're trying to run those all on the on the uh on the telco networks um, you, will over, you, will, you will unnecessarily burden them. It makes much more sense where possible to be using a cable connection or other wired connection, and then use uh, Wi-Fi or other unlicensed technology right. uh, at right. the endpoints. And so they, they complement each other.
2: So, so uh, I I thought I heard you say something that I'm going to make sure I'm going to make sure because I actually don't think you if you said it I don't think you meant to say it, but it sounded like you said that that this. I'm concerned about this balance between the license and the unlicensed portion of this and, and how it is because the decision of how much to license and not to license is driven in part by revenue, right? So if the government needs more money, well, we'll sell more spectrum off and, and we'll we'll raise some money that way. But that then harms our ability to use the unlicensed part of the spectrum for, for things like IoT, right, or for Internet of Things. Um, so – how how is it that you see us getting that balance right between the licensed and unlicensed portions? Well,
3: I think the um, f- fortunately, because you're right, there would be a uh, there would be a fiscal incentive to have perhaps uh, more licensed spectrum as opposed to unlicensed. But but fortunately, the the physical properties. Of the different pieces of spectrum make them better suited for different things, and the okay. uh, you know the TV spectrum was extraordinarily well suited uh, for wireless uh, for you know for telco wireless uh, cellular deployments and uh, that's why it was repurposed for that and auction for billions and billions of dollars uh, the The spectrum that we're talking about uh, where Wi-Fi operates is uh, much better uh, suited its physical properties are better suited. Uh, for local area deployments, and uh, that's why it's been used that way and why it would make sense to expand it to the adjacent 5.9 gigahertz. And so uh, there are obviously some edge cases where Spectrum could be deployed in different ways, and uh, there are policy questions driving that. Uh, But for a lot of this, uh, there are actually physics reasons that it's better to use it for, for one versus the other.
2: So I have a question for you. We're talking to Phil Kirpin from American Commitment. You know what, Phil? C- can you stay on the line? I'm gonna. I-, I need to take a break, and I'll come back and ask Don's question to you if you would, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. All right, hang on there. We're talking with Phil Kirpin, uh from American Commitment at AmericanCommitment.org, dot org, and you are listening to the King Banyan Show on Business fourteen forty.
6: you the bible there has been talk about jesus they say he's healing the sick comes the life of jesus christ it's preaching is what concerns me he's helping people from those who knew him best we are his followers we've seen him do wonders. things i am the resurrection and the life jesus his life
0: monday march 25th at 8 on history It's March mayhem at Business 1440, and we have an extraordinary opportunity to help grow your business or nonprofit. This includes commercials on air, plus another powerful marketing tool that offers high ROI. This plan is incredibly targeted to match you with 50,000 of your best prospects, and it's very affordable. For details on this limited-time slam dunk of a deal, call us today at 651-289-4444 or visit TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Hey, it's Lee Michaels here with one of the newest members to the Patriot family. I am proud to be associated with Mike Murphy with eXp Realty. Now, it's a name that's familiar to some of you, but it's not our Mike Murphy. It's our new Mike Murphy. Mike, it is great to have you here. Thanks, Lee. We are excited to work with the Patriot and your listeners. Now, tell me, what makes eXp Realty different? eXp is a cloud-based brokerage. We like to call it the future of real estate. A lot of people get frustrated with the gimmicks and overpromises of many real estate agents. We pride ourselves on being different. No gimmicks, just great service. When you call our number, you will speak to me or my wife, Sharon, not an inexperienced team member. So if they want to speak to you or your wife, Sharon, how do they get a hold of you? Give us a call at 651-216-7870 or go to MikeMurphyTeam.com. It's that simple. If you're thinking about selling your home, check out Mike Murphy Team with EXP Realty. or online at mikemurphyteam.com Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders Roofing. It is so exciting to think that the Lord loves us in such a way that He sent His Son to provide the way for us to be directed perfectly, gently and effectively. C.S. Lewis bluntly stated this fact Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. None of us can serve two masters. We try but we cannot do it. As the hymn says, Keep your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. I pray that we can be used by each other to exhort and edify the church and grow the real kingdom. This is Matthew with the
1: Kingdom Builders. We strive to have our standard be God's standard. One of the ways we do that is we regularly look to God's word to examine our hearts and our motives, because we try to glorify the Lord Jesus in
0: everything we do. We strive to take these standards on your roof, On your gutter job, whatever it might be, give us a call at 612 900 9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.net.
2: Welcome back, King Daniel Show, Business 1440. We're talking about how do you get access to better to more Wi Fi and have better signals. So we're talking with Phil Kirpin, uh, direct uh, president of American Commitment um, at AmericanCommitment.org. org. I've tweeted to you at Pound KBRS uh, the uh, the article that we're discussing from him and I've been I've been trying to frantically Look, uh, look around it to see if what I could tell the differences between how it's done in the United States and how it's done within the EU. I don't know, Phil, if you know anything about that at all, and feel free to pass on that if you don't.
3: Yeah, I, re- I really don't know how their okay. system works.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Um, it's kind of an odd. It's you know, I I did get a question from Don. I did want to ask to you uh, uh, here, and so that's one reason why we kept you over, uh, which was. Um, which is the fact that here in the United States, it does feel like the speeds of the internet have gotten faster since uh, we've declared that uh, net neutrality is dead, or I believe it's Yeah, they're
3: dead. up about 40% in the year since the Obama net neutrality regulations were repealed, which is interesting because... Uh You know the liberal groups and the media and the politicians said, "You know the internet'll stop working and it'll load one word at a time. Remember all the democratic politicians had those goofy tweets where they had like one word dot 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 another word dot, dot as if things would slow down if we didn't have uh, heavy handed government regulation and Of course, uh, the opposite has happened the The speed test data that we have shows that average uh, internet speeds in the u s are up forty percent over the last year, so you can make it out what you will." Uh, you know some people on our side have argued that the regulations were holding back investments so much that uh, the repeal is the reason speeds increased. I don't really see that in the data. I think it's uh, more that uh, it's more that the the regulations were irrelevant uh, they didn't actually provide any benefit and uh, you know Companies have continued to compete and innovate, and uh, in, in particular, the uh, big increases in speed that we're seeing on the wireless side from the uh, telcos are forcing the cable guys to really upgrade to compete and keep those customers. Yeah. I think it, it's really a competition story more than anything else, in my opinion.
2: I'm a spec- I'm a charter spectrum customer, and um, while I was over in over in the UK, uh, a card comes and, and it says basically your. M- the, your cable modem is not able to p- deliver all the speed we're, we're we're giving you so please call us so we can send out to you a new modem and I'm, I'm looking at it like it, my first reaction Phil was okay this must be a scam I'm going to go on the I'm going to go find out I'm going to go to some reddit thread and find out that, that they're going to take advantage of me it sounds actually my research says it might be legit Uh <laughs>
3: Well, the cable guys have pretty much, you know, almost all of the major cable companies have upgraded uh, to be able to offer, uh, you know, one gig speeds to to almost their entire footprints. And, uh, you know, very few people have any need for that. And so their uptake is still very, very low, but they're offering it and uh... you know that to me dispels any kind of myth that we needed you know government regulators and bureaucrats uh, to keep the internet improving and innovating and speeding up that's clearly not the case uh, we're seeing enormous investments and enormous competitive pressures in a positive way between the telcos and the cable guys kind of back and forth and uh... you know i think the the real danger in the whole net neutrality debate and i think you know, democrats are obsessed with putting the obama regulations back in they've done several hearings just in the past week on this and if you look at the way they wrote the bills, um, you know, I think what this is really about is they're trying to find a way to gut the Internet Tax Freedom Act. And that's the federal law uh, that prohibits taxes and fees on your Internet bill. And you know, if you look at uh, you know, the section of taxes and fees on the cable bill or mm-hmm. on the phone bill, uh, and if you know, this might all be the same bill if you have one provider. They might be different bills, uh, but compare that to the Internet bill or the Internet section of your bill. You know, there are no taxes and fees on the Internet section, uh, unlike the cable section, which probably has seven or eight different taxes and fees and the same for the phone, and that's because of a federal law uh, that was passed, uh, I want to say, some 1990s Seven or nineteen ninety eight it 's been extended several times and made permanent uh, that prohibits uh, taxes and fees on internet access services and uh, the Obama net neutrality rule, uh, what I think the main motive behind it by the way, was not the regulatory side but rather the tax side because that rule reclassified broadband internet as a telephone service and if you if you if you classified it as a telephone service. For regulatory purposes, uh, that means that taxes and fees can be put on it without violating the Internet Tax Freedom Act, because now you're just putting taxes and fees on a phone service, which is allowed by law. And uh, what the Obama administration did is they reclassified it as a telecommunication service, but they did not apply taxes and fees to it. They deferred the decision on that to the Joint Federal State Universal Service Fund board. Uh, And I believe that they thought Hillary Clinton would win the election. Then that board would announce, aha, we are putting taxes and fees on your internet bill. Uh, But of course, they lost the election. And I think Democrats are trying so hard uh, to reverse uh, the repeal of the Obama net neutrality order because they want to lay the predicate for a future Democratic administration being able to tax uh, Internet access because they look at how everything's moving to Internet, and eventually the cable business model will probably collapse, and it'll just be broadband, Internet, everything. And if that happens, well, they're going to lose a whole lot of money in taxes and fees if they don't find a way uh, to circumvent or gut uh, the Internet Tax Freedom Act. And So my belief is that the net neutrality debate is not really about regulation because, uh, you know, there's no evidence that they that we need regulation or that there's any behavior uh, that needs to be disciplined or prevented. Uh, I think that what it's really about is uh, creating a pathway to circumvent the Internet Tax Freedom Act because the Democrats fear... Uh, that as things move towards uh, internet, uh, they're going to lose a whole lot of tax and fee revenue that they're getting right now uh, from from cable and phone bills, and uh, you know they they want to prevent that from happening. Yeah.
2: yeah, I'm trying to think of how much money that raises. I, uh, do you have any idea? I'm, I, I, I know I could go look it up, but <laughs> <I don't
3: laughs> I'm know. also it's trying to billions radio. on the federal level, and you know states and localities, of course, uh, also. Probably, yeah, lo- probably, probably
2: so. so. Yeah, I I was I was going to say my one observation was when I. When I finally decided earlier, actually just in the last three months, to finally cut the cable to my to my house, I went and looked at what what I was paying just for the cable and said, "Well, where does that all come from?" And it turned out it was about it was approximately one hundred and forty dollars I was paying for my cable, and twenty two of the one hundred and forty was tax. Uh, That's actually
3: fairly low compared to a lot
2: of places. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was twenty two bucks, twenty two of the one hundred and forty, and it turns out it's because. uh, the city I live in chooses not to tax not to tax that bill. I'm not yeah, sure that,
3: why. Most cities, most cities make the other choice. Well, the, yeah. the interesting thing though is, uh, you know, if you look now, if you look now at a bill that's just internet, uh, if you have a, you know, if you have a company that you're just getting internet from, not cable or phone, there are no taxes or fees. The advertised that's right. price is the price.
2: And 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 I look at I looked at it, looked at it afterwards, and I said, "Man, that's all that's left. That's an incredible bargain for everything I'm able to do with with the internet in my home." I think that I think that's fine. I and think that.
3: And now you understand what a threat that is. If you're the political party that uh, yeah. loves big government, uh, you you want to find a way to cut that to get around that to put those taxes and fees back on. And I right. think. That, that's the real motivation,
2: I think, behind the net neutrality debate. Yeah. Well, hey, Phil, we're, we're out of time. I always love talking to you uh, and uh, wish you best of luck. Happy opening day uh, and uh, keep up the good work there at American Commitment. Appreciate it very much. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, you too. You too. We'll be back after this. Thanks to Phil Kirpett from American Commitment, and you are listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440.
7: Many people today think the Bible, the most influential book in world history, is not only outdated, but also irrelevant, irrational, and even immoral. Dennis Prager here. I've written a book, The Rational Bible, Genesis, to prove otherwise. My new book demonstrates clearly and powerfully that the Bible remains profoundly relevant, both for the great issues of our day and in each of our lives. The Rational Bible, Genesis, comes out this May, and I want to invite you to join me for an exclusive pre-launch event for my book, On May 6th in Orlando, Florida. That will be the first day it will be available to the public. Get your tickets today. Be part of a full day celebration with me and our partners at TBN. Come and be part of the studio audience for the taping and live broadcast of my radio show. After the broadcast, I'll discuss my new book, answer your questions and you'll get a signed copy of the Rational Bible Genesis. Join me in Orlando on May 6th. Get your tickets today when you visit my website, DennisPrager.com, and click on the Rational Bible banner. See you in Orlando.
8: Across America, it's snoring season. Right now, 90 million Americans make this sound every night. Snoring can be caused by breathing through your mouth when you sleep. If you have a blocked or narrow nose, then you're more likely to open your mouth to breathe, causing snoring. Thankfully, there's Mute, an ingenious Australian invention that could quiet the snoring season once and for all. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device that sits inside the nose, supporting your airway and keeping it open while you sleep. You'll breathe more easily through your nose and snore less. In fact, in trials, 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute, allowing them both a better night's sleep. Put snoring season to bed, America.
0: Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. For more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more. Snore less. Sleep better.
9: It's only March and liberals have done nothing this year but, well, create chaos. Andrew Cuomo in New York, Ocasio-Cortez driving Amazon out of New York, Kamala Harris, they're all out pursuing their liberal agenda. Major corporations where you shop every day are using their buying power to steer America towards a socialist economy. If you're sellers with AT&T or Verizon, your money is supporting liberal candidates. The ACLU, you need U.S., Planned Parenthood, you can support your values by switching to Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile offers the same reliable nationwide coverage you already have, plus they have taken a portion of their proceeds and support conservative organizations like the Heritage Foundation, the Susan B. Anthony List, and PragerU. Patriot Mobile has unlimited talk and text plans as low as $20 a month. It's easy to switch. Call 1-800-PATRIOT and mention Hugh or visit PatriotMobile.com forward slash Hugh. And they'll wave up to two activation fees. That's right, two activation fees. Join me and thousands of Americans. Switch today.
2: Welcome back, King Banyan show, business 1440. I've got to actually defer, I teased her in the first hour that I was going to talk about modern monetary theory, but I think I can do that next week, and the iron is hot right now as it regards this college admissions scandal, or, or as uh, I've seen abbreviated someplace, Operation Varsity Blues, which is too bad. That's just too bad that you have to associate that movie with that. But I, I think I should say a little bit about it. And the reason I want to say something about it is, of course, it's my profession. I work. I've worked in higher education pretty much my entire adult life, with uh, hiatuses to do some some uh, consulting uh, for uh, central banks and uh, f- ministries of finance overseas and in the developing world, and uh, a couple year detour into the state legislature. Um, aside those things i uh, this is pretty much what i've done my entire life and um uh, and i and i've spent the last five years uh well, four and a half four four and three quarters years serving as a dean at uh, a state university none of which you will see in the list of the schools that are under discussion here um in this particular scandal. So, if you, I'm going to assume that you, you haven't been, uh, dear listeners here on Business 1440, you haven't been living under a rock. You know, you know the basics of the story. And I admit, I, I find it sufficiently depressing that I probably haven't read as much about this as some people have. So the broad, co- so. I, so if you want to get me on a particular fact of this particular fraud that was perpetrated by these particular parents, um, who, by the way, I find, I find the most fascinating part of this to be that they didn't tell their kids that they were doing it. I spend a lot of time around students. And I would say, if you told the students that you were doing it, if I told my child either of my children. I have two. If I had told either of them, I'm going to pull some strings to get you into a school that you probably otherwise wouldn't be admitted to. I'm reasonably certain both of them would say to me, Dad, don't do that. Why? Because they both would want to feel like they earned it. I'll take... I'll take my I'll take the younger one who who's got an interesting story that kind of sort of touches on some of the some of the issues that are in this she is a she is a three season runner she ran cross country indoor track outdoor track she's now she's now left college and is in is working on a doctorate in mathematics right now um she's incredibly bright she's the kind of kid that that many schools would have wanted to recruit and did recruit and she decided she wanted to be fairly close to home but she didn't necessarily want to be right next to home so it was competition there are lots of good schools here in Minnesota and at the end of the day probably the thing that encouraged her to go to the school she eventually enrolled in was a conversation not with a professor or an admissions counselor but with a with the coach of the various track and field teams and cross country team that that happens at the school that she she decided to go to she didn't go to a division 1 school she went to a division 3 school and i can tell you it is very common for division 3 schools to use their use athletics as an additional attraction there's no real cost to the univ- to a school a college a small college in particular to have one more, one more admission admitted student be told, "Yeah, you can go run with the cross country team. We'll put a uniform on you and let you go. Let you go run through the woods." And that was persuasive. My my daughter had thought when when she finished her last race in high school that that was going to be the end of it, and she was perfectly happy to say, "Well, good. I'll go run ten ks and." Besides which the distances that they run in high school are are too short for the distances I want to run, and she was super excited to find out that that there were schools out there that would let her go run a ten k uh, you know as a spring track event because they actually don't have enough students who would who would volunteer to do that she's like really i could go I could go do that and and be timed and and so forth so she would so those exist part of the issue in this admission scandal and I'm, I'm going to get to the admission to the admissions portion of this in a, in a bit but I want to talk a bit about the I want to talk at least a little bit about the uh, the side of this that that I think is underreported which is the impact of the NC2a and of the requirements of things such as Title IX It's sometimes difficult to find enough people, particularly women, to participate in all of the quote-unquote non-revenue sports that they have, that, that a school has. And since the school is required to have not just the opportunity to participate, but they actually need students to participate, to demonstrate to the government that they've met their commitments under Title IX, there's an incentive for them to go out and find, you know, y- particularly young women, but both young men and young women to participate in some of these, in some of the sports that are a little bit downstream of football and basketball, and at least for a few schools here in Minnesota, hockey. The school that, that the schools that uh, that. approached my daughter uh, had one thing in common which was they had large, successful small school non-scholarship football programs. Football is a men's sport. In order to meet the Title IX requirements then they had to make sure that for every person that got to play on the football team and they might agree that they could have 120, 120 students standing on the sideline for the home games. They'd only suit up maybe 80 of them to take on the bus to go to the, to the road game. And they would leave the other 40 back, back at home. But Title IX would require them to have a balance of 120 students. So of course they would do that. And if somehow your non-revenue program... To make ends meet could actually make a little money by getting a large donation from someone that wanted their daughter to be called a, a, a their daughter to be called a, a you know a uh, a lacrosse player or their or their son to be called a water polo player that 's gravy for them and it 's not a surprise to me that the incentive that or it should be pointed out that some of the incentives that led to this is not just purely greed, although greed certainly played a role in it. But there's some impact of something that I've spent a lot of time talking about, which is which has been the impact of Title IX on college sports. That causes some of this to happen because, you, and you say, well, how does it impact the enrollment for men's sports? the The impact is non-revenue generating men's sports are the ones that get cut the wrestling program the swimming program the the track program there are many universities where there's a women's track program but not a men's track program or a women's tennis program but not a men's tennis program because they're trying to balance that that number and if you're the men's coach of tennis or tennis or wrestling or swimming You're looking for reasons to continue your existence, and the fact that you could bring in a large donation would be one of those reasons. So there is some... there is This, call it loophole, if you would, has been there for quite some time. And yes, athletics programs, when they're recruiting students, are in close communications with the admissions programs in their universities it is just absolutely true the when 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 daughter was looking to look at a look at a school you know and 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 someone would ask me well what would it take to to help your daughter make a decision one of the things i would tell them is she would like to continue continue to be to continue her running in a team environment. And so if you're if your track and field or your or your cross country coach would like to give her a call, she'd be interested probably in talking to them. That's all I said. It's part of the recruiting and it happens everywhere. It's not there's and, and honest honestly, I don't believe there to be anything wrong with that. That's actually that's actually probably a good thing. But there's other parts to this that I that that i find i find disturbing too and and i want to suggest potential solutions i don't just want to criticize but i want to give you the idea of what a solution would look like and i'll give you that right after these messages on the king banyan show on business 1440
5: Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley. First Mortgages, Impact Mortgage Group, DBA Cash Call Mortgage, 19500 Jamboree Road, Irvine, California, 92612, NMLS 128231. Equal housing lender not licensed in all states, including New York. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. Okay, here's the deal. You're a freelancer, a hired hand, a self-made, self-owned business of one. Whether you're a contractor, creative director, or consultant, you're the boss. And that makes things easy. Unless, of course, you're trying to get a mortgage. When it comes to qualifying for a cash-out refi, gig economy workers come with more obstacles, more complexities, and more stress, right? Wrong. Dial 800-815-0745, and one of our cash-out mortgage specialists will help you qualify for the lowest interest loan possible, regardless of your source of income. It's the easiest call you'll make all day. Dial 800-815-0745. That's 800-815-0745. Make the cash call today. That's 800-815-0745.
6: Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775 For our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines.
0: The deals are smoking hot at Premier Pool and Spa right now. Every Arctic spa, everything in a showroom, everything that's already made up in Canada, eh, is on sale. Yeah, but if you see my backyard, I can't even put it back there right now, eh? Minor details. They can use a crane or you can wait till spring. What's important is to get it now and take advantage of these clearance prices. You mean I can put a hot tub in right now and then move it again in the spring? You can if it's an Arctic spa. The base on these things is like no water spa as long as it's level. It will run perfectly. Once the snow melts, you drain it, move it where you want it, fill her up, and let her buck. Yeah, and they're built for the cold, and they're easy on your wallet, too, eh? All you have to do is go to the showroom and see the Arctic difference. Hey, don't lock yourself up in the house this winter. Winter's fun to be had, eh? You can swim all winter long, even in Minnesota, with an Arctic all-wetter pool, too. Yeah, save on the spas today. Visit Premier Pools in Chanhassen. That's Premier Pool and Spa, where we take fun seriously, eh? PremierPools.com
2: Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. 651-289-4477, if you've got a last-minute question, particularly regarding this. Um, I, I will say, I've not been part of an admissions team or, or group. I've never been in an admissions office where I had to make decisions on applications. So so take what I'm about to say with, with substantial grains of salt and um, a healthy dose there end, uh, but having watched this uh, from from within academia for going on, this is my fourth decade in academia, uh, closing in on my fifth. Um, and I want to I want to I wanna, so I've said that I don't think I don't think the young people knew it, but but let's but and, and uh, Don Don on tw- Twitter says I think the kids knew it's part of their culture. It's like well maybe. And if they do, it's to this extent, okay? But, but I, I'm not going to blame them for that. I think, the, I think the fault lies with academia, but for this reason. Suppose I took a bribe from you, to and in return I let your student come here. And suppose I have high standards for graduation. If your, if your son or daughter is unprepared, I will have taken the bribe from you. Your kid will come here, will struggle, and eventually drop out. That would be bad, right? That would be that would be a hard thing, and you would you you would have you, you would you would eventually the bribes would eventually go to zero because nothing good was produced out of them, right? I'm I'm comfortable with a world wherein we would let in almost any student um, at at state universities like mine including mine there're a set of objective criteria that if you hit those objective criteria we send you hey you're admitted hope you'll come and then we'll try like heck along with a whole lot of other schools to try to get you there's fierce competition at, at the level of university that we are to get to get students admitted to us we <laughs> we pay bribes they're called scholarships that we think would be best suited for us that would be that that would help us improve our prestige because we get better students. We're not one of those universities that, you know, invites hundreds of thousands of applications in return tens of thousands of applications, let me not exaggerate. Tens of thousands of applications in return for admitting maybe fourteen hundred students. So that there's a scarce acceptance letter that you have to 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 uh, basically sell off in one way or another and schools will sell those off in part to make sure that they get donations but here's the other side of that if you're letting students in who are unprepared and you have high standards and you flunk them out you will never get a you'll never well I shouldn't say never but you'll almost never get a alumni donation from them you will never get money back from that student you admitted nor from the parents that you might have might have told, "Hey, your kid's gonna be great here. Everything'll be fine." And then, and then a year later, you send the kid back. And say, eh, it didn't work out. Our attitude, or um, in in where I've worked, it, it, my attitude has always been: I really am not that concerned about what that student looks like when they get here. I'm concerned about what they look like when they leave here. I want I want the process by which I get them from the door to the graduation floor to be a process in which, which I figured out some way to enrich their lives. In their mind, in students' minds, it's usually they'll get a better job. In my mind, it's like, yeah, get a better job. It's in my interest to make sure you have a better job because it goes back to those alumni donations again. But I'm also interested in, in I would argue, a fairly altruistic way, but you might say differently. I'm interested in making sure that you're you're a a good citizen of our society. I mean, that's what I'm here for. Goodness gracious, we're not here for the money. We're here for, we're here because we want to teach students. We 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 get jazzed by that aha moment when when a student realizes there's something that they can do that they didn't know they could do. I got to tell you, I live for that. <laughs> that's. That's the wonder of the job. That's the beauty of the job I have. That's, that's worth more to me. I shouldn't say it's worth. It's not worth more to my wife than the paycheck, but there are weeks where it's worth more to me. Um, and I really care about what comes out. So if you wanted to stop this, here's two suggestions. First of all, Let's make college rigorous. Let's make the let's make graduation really mean something rather than rather than having students coddled their way through. If we if we admit a student who's the child of a celebrity who turns to be a turns out to be a dullard, the dullard will not graduate and eventually the parent of the dullard will say that's what wasted my money. I'm going to go do something else. All right. We'll turn the incentive's back around to, to tell the the wealthy parent of a dullard find something else for your child to do. That coming coming to an elite college is not is not their best choice. Okay. So that would have that impact. And secondly, it would just it would make college more meaningful to them and and actually it would help us it would get so it gets rid of the bribery and would actually graduate the kinds of people we need. I think I think the problem is really that we have all of the things that people talk about as being the problem with college is it lays at, at the root of what are what are our students learning? Well, we're determined that, that they learn something here, but in order for them to feel like they've actually done something, I, I heard Hugh Hewitt mention this, but I would have mentioned it anyway. I heard him say this uh, in a conversation yesterday on his radio program, but I would have said this anyway because I, I. I I highly respect and can say I know personally uh, Art Brooks, uh, soon to be ex-president of the American Enterprise Institute. Our students want to earn their success. My kid who runs can run on her own and look at her watch and say how fast she runs. But she runs in a race because she wants to see how she compares to other kids, to other runners. Our students want to earn their success, they want to earn their degree, and they do want to do it around others because they do compare themselves to others. And that's important to them because it's how they, it's how the way you build self-esteem, as Brooks often says, is through earned success, by feeling like you've earned it. Our students want to feel like they've earned that, that degree. And if we do that, and we actually create incentives for them, incentives in that way, this whole thing would go away. You won't pay money to send a kid, send your child to a school in which they will fail. You only send them if they're going to be coddled. Stop the coddling, and this goes away. Thank you for listening today. It's good to be back, and I'll be back again next week with another episode of The King Bangin' Show here on Business 1440. Talk to you next week.
8: The digital magazine that reveals promotional product success stories absolutely free to everyone who texts WOW11 to 88988. At 4imprint, we make your logo look perfect on thousands of promotional items. With our 100% guarantee, it'll be right the first time, on time, every time. Your free e-magazine will reveal invaluable insights that can attract new customers, build your brand, and grow your business. Get the latest issue of Amplify absolutely free by texting WOW11 to 88988. That's wow 11 one to 88988.
1: I had never been a trader. I hadn't even really studied a whole lot, and so I was, I was brand new to this. My name's Sam. I'm a student with OTA. Tell me why you
0: decided to take classes from Online Trading Academy.
1: I just was kind of at a crossroads. I wanted to uh, look for my next business opportunity, and uh, financial markets had always just kind of appealed to me. Actually, what's nice about everything here with OTA, they can teach you to trade with very small amounts of money uh, and really build everything up from the ground floor. So you really don't need a lot of money to get going with this. Really amazing instructors.
0: How has Online Trading Academy changed your life?
1: I'm a little bit more in control of... My destiny going forward. I'm not quite as worried about contract to contract and know that I have some other sources of income.
5: Join us for a free investing class by calling Pound250 on your cell phone and use the keyword OTA or go to learn with OTA.com.
6: Jaren, time to get ready for work. <laughs> Hitting your toothbrush way in the back of the drawer. Good luck finding it. Oh, and the bathroom
7: light is out again. At least it'll be harder for you to see the shower stains.
1: <laughs> is your old, worn-out bathroom taunting you like this every morning? New Windows for America to the rescue. Yes, New Windows for America does bathroom replacement. Let them remake yours with a new, easy-to-clean tub, modern shower, and surround they have a wide selection of bath products and design options to help you create a bathroom that is stylish and gives you the functionality that you need. New Windows for America can have them installed fast in as little as one day for most homes at an affordable price. In fact, it's as low as $79 per month now for Sebastian Gorka's America First listeners. Tired of your dingy old bathroom mocking you? Google New Windows for America today and check out their bathroom replacement and other home improvement products. Offer ends March 31st. New Windows for America.